0: This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherise Zephyr only on 101.9 High FM.
1: Today, I continue the conversation I had with Wayne Sussman on the American elections. Last week, we looked at some of the issues around which Americans would vote, and we also discussed how Joe Biden eventually won the Democratic nomination. Today, we look at how the American elections actually work and why they are so important. Wayne as is an election com and commentator and he joins me now to continue the conversation. Wayne, welcome and thank you so much for joining me.
0: Cherise, it's great to be back again. Thank you so much.
1: So we're on part two of a series of the American elections. Uh, last week we started with uh, the two main contesters. This week we're trying to understand, Wayne, how the American election works and how they're different to the South African elections.
0: Sure. Whenever I start a presentation on an international electoral system, I always think it's important to compare it to South Africa. So we know in South Africa we have a a national and a provincial election every four years – sorry, every five years, and we have a local government election every five years. So what happens in America is that every two years you elect the House of Congress, which is uh, like a version of the American parliament – Every six years, you have a your sen. There's a senator who's up for an election, um, and every four years, there's the presidential election race. So let's focus on the presidential election race. But just to say that when you go, whether you're voting by mail or uh, in a voting booth this time round, you are definitely going to be electing the House of Congress representative for your area which might be a district in North Carolina, wherever you vote, you're going to be voting for the president and possibly voting uh, for a senator if the senator for your state is up for election and or the governor. So it's it's a different system to the South African system. So what's key is, is the electoral college vote. So in South Africa, what happens is all the... Votes for the national election get tallied up, and ultimately from that, say, the ANC gets 57 percent, ultimately they'll get 57 percent of the representatives, give or take a quarter of a percentage here or there, in the parliament. What happens in America is totally different. In each state, you vote, and the person who wins that vote gets all bar for two states, which I can come to later, gets all the votes from that state. So, for instance, in the state of California, which is by far the most populous state in the country, we know, uh, I'll bet more than my house, I'll bet um, everyone who's listening um, on the, to this call, to this interview's house, that the Democrats and Joe Biden will win the state of California. They'll then win 55 votes Uh, Electoral college votes I can also bet with confidence That a state Like um, Tennessee or Indiana Or possibly Georgia Are very strong Republican states And the Republicans will, Will win that So what is key here Are the states where it's a toss up Okay, So the states which is a toss up Is where the election will be Won or lost for Joe Biden Or Donald Trump So what do we mean here Essentially, there are 538 electoral college votes. So in order to become the president of the United States of America, you need 50% plus one. Now, um, that means that you'll need 270 votes to win the American presidential elections. Now, this is very interesting because... Donald Trump actually lost the popular vote by a few million votes, but he won the Electoral College vote. He was able to convince enough people in the key swing states of the Midwest, we call it the Rust Belt, of Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And by winning those three states, Donald Trump was able to become the president of the United States of America. (laughs) Those states, by the way, have a strong tradition of being, uh, we call it ancestral democratic uh, strongholds. And those voters, by very small margins, I think in Wisconsin it was less than 20,000 votes, in a state with a large population, he was able to win those electoral college votes and therefore um, get all the votes from those particular states. So this time round, the key states we're going to be looking at are what we like to call the Sun Belt, which is the state of Florida, and anyone who was uh, old enough to remember what happened in the 2000 elections with George Bush Jr., George W. Bush, and Al Gore remembers being glued for weeks to your television set or to your radio wondering what's going to happen in the state of Florida. And by a tiny fraction of votes, George Bush prevailed. And again, even though George Bush loses the popular vote, because he won the state of Florida, he becomes um the president of the United States of America. So the Sun Belt are states like Florida, which have trended Republican in the last few years, but are really 50-50 states. Every senatorial election, gubernatorial, or gubernatorial which is the elections for the governor, are, are mostly incredibly close. Then we have the state of Arizona. The state of Arizona is historically a Republican uh, state, Remember, I'm here talking about the Sun Belt. In the Sun Belt, I'm talking about Florida, Arizona, and North Carolina. Now, Arizona is a state which is historically Republican. It's a state which gave uh, America John McCain, the famous war hero who ran against Barack Obama in 2008. But because of demographic shifts in America, has shifted more and more to the middle in the last few years. Whereas two years ago, the Democrats actually won a Senate seat. And the Democrats will certainly win another Senate seat because they've had a very famous candidate running um, this time around. So a state like Arizona is going to be absolutely critical. Then another state, North Carolina, which um, completes our Sun Belt analysis. That is, again, historically a Republican state. It's more in the south. But, again, there's been a demographic shift. More and more young people have been moving to the state of North Carolina. It's got a high African American population. That uh they've got a popular democratic governor. That is also in play. So in this, remember I just I'm gonna repeat these numbers so it doesn't get too confusing. There are five hundred and thirty-eight electoral college votes. You need two hundred and seventy to win. The Sunbelt package, the Sunbelt state's, are 55 key electoral college votes, 29 in Florida, 15 in Arizona, um, sorry, 15 in North Carolina, and 11 in Arizona. Okay, so then I want to speak about the Rust Belt. Now, the Rust Belt um, are states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. These are states which are historically Democrat- but went to Donald Trump. This was the brilliance of Donald Trump's campaign in 2016, that these historic um, Democratic strongholds swung the other way. I want to give an, an analogy, which and I think this is an unforgivable error on the part of the Democratic Party. Hillary Clinton was so confident of winning the state of Wisconsin that she didn't bother campaigning there, and she ends up losing it by a few thousand votes on elec- Election Day. And then there's also the state of Minnesota. So if you uh, imagining the map of America in front of you, these are in the northeast to the Midwest of the country, often bordering uh, Canada, uh, cold places. So this is what we call the rush belt, strong manufacturing tradition. These amount for 56 votes. Um, and then there are a few other anomalies. So, I can say with confidence that the Democrats today will win at least 200 – or confidence of banking 222 out of the 538 electoral college votes. When it comes to the Republicans, Sharice, I can say with confidence that they will win at least 203 out of uh, the 538 electoral college votes. So – When I say 222 Democratic Electoral College votes, I can say with confidence that the Democrats will win the large states of California, 55 Electoral College votes, New York, 29, Illinois, where Barack Obama and, of course, Abraham Lincoln comes from, 20, the state of New Jersey, 14. With the Republicans, what's absolutely key, for instance, is the state of Texas. That's got the second most Electoral College votes. That's 38 If they lose Texas, they kiss this election goodbye, by the way. There's no chance of them winning. At the moment, they're heading Texas. A state like Ohio, which has always been a swing state, I would say they favored to win, 18. Georgia, which is becoming more competitive in the South, 16. So I can say with confidence, again, I want to repeat those numbers so it's not too confusing, that the Democrats will be waking up today knowing that they have 222 guaranteed electoral college votes, and the Republicans, 203. So then let's do the maths again. If you look at what I said about the Sun Belt, that's 55. Now, 222, it's a lot of maths for early in the morning, I know, uh, or sorry, for early in the afternoon, um, uh, is 277 votes. So if the Democrats are able to win Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, the election's done. Let's look at the Rust Belt package. Say now the Republicans hold on to Florida, Arizona, North Carolina. If uh, in a perfect world the Democrats win uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they win another 56 electoral college votes, it's game over. But elect. Not all states are the same. Not all parts of America are the same. Not all regions are the same. And for instance, look at the state of Pennsylvania. Now, Joe Biden has a very strong link to the state of Pennsylvania. He comes, he was born in Scranton, a real working class, uh, part of Pennsylvania, part of his allure. But Pennsylvania is actually much tougher for him right now than a state like Michigan, which uh, seems like is really going back to the Democrats, a state like Wisconsin and a state like Minnesota. So what might end up happening is that you could see him winning Michigan, winning Wisconsin, winning Minnesota, and that takes him uh, to just under uh, – that takes him to about 259 electoral college votes and then he still has to win Arizona or North Carolina. So just to repeat, I can say with confidence that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party will win the most votes in this election. The key is, can they win enough electoral college votes to unseat Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump does have an electoral college advantage. I hope that wasn't too much Latin.
1: Wayne, it makes such a difference understanding the complexities because you can- become more vested and more interested. Uh, We don't have much time left, but I'd like to ask this one quick question. You started off by comparing it to South African um, elections, and you are very confident that certain areas will go to certain parties. To what extent does identity politics play in America like it does here in South Africa?
0: So this is, that's a great question. So that term ancestral Democrats is a, so these are voters. This is Donald Trump's genius of his campaign in 2016. He was able to appeal to voters who for generation after generation have lived in the same part of the Midwest, the same part of Minnesota, the same part of Michigan, and have always voted Democrat. And he was able to through the brilliance of his campaign, to say that the Democrats no longer speak for you, I speak for you. I speak for the Iron Range of Minnesota. I speak for the depressed uh, small towns of Michigan. I'm your voice. At the same time, going into the 2020 election, I would say overwhelmingly that African-American voters see Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as their voice. As they've always done. So, what the what the key thing here is is can they convince enough of the African American voters who didn't or were made difficult? It was also sometimes difficult to show up and vote in in places like Milwaukee, in places like Detroit, in places like Philadelphia. Can you convince those people who identify with your party to show up and vote? Can Donald Trump continue to speak? For those white working class voters, uh, for Cuban, uh, by the way, when, 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 one looks at Latino voters, the Cuban voters in Florida tend to be more conservative than other Latino parts of America. So identity politics is, is does play a very, very big part. One thing I just want to say briefly is, for instance, I mentioned Pennsylvania, where Joe Biden's from. So why one of the reasons, Sharice, why is not running head of the polls there is because the Democratic Party is opposed to fracking. And you have people in western Pennsylvania, in a rural working class parts of Pennsylvania saying, we need jobs. Fracking can provide us jobs. And even though Joe Biden was historically very similar to us, he's now out of touch with us. So identity is still very key. Um, and you're going to see those fault lines being even more severe in this election.
1: Wayne, next week we're going to look at identity politics for the Jewish voters in America, and I'm sure everybody will be interested to hear more. So just to remind everyone that this is part of a series, this is part two of a series. Um, if you'd like to get part one where Wayne explains uh, the elections, who's standing and how they got to be where they are, that you can find that on the CHI-FM website. This week we are we focused on um, how the election works. Next week, Wayne, we're looking at identity po- politics and the Jewish voter.
0: Thank you. I look forward to it, and I hope the numbers all make sense because numbers and politics and percentages and politics go hand in hand.
1: Clearly so, and it's going to make this one a much more to understand. It makes it much more exciting to watch. So, Wayne, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It was Wayne Thussman, who is a fundy election commentator.